comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Facebook, no Twitter, no smartphones, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. everybody, welcome to episode 64 of the Walking Dead TV podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey, a.k.a. Dr. Esquire, joined tonight by Mr. Jim Dietz, Yoda Jones, and special returning guest, Mr. Aaron North from the Out Now with Aaron and Abe podcast. How you doing, guys? Doing well. Happy to be here. Ready to go back to Herschel's barn. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, tonight we're going to be doing a commentary track for Pretty Much Dead Already, which is episode 7 of season 2 of The Walking Dead, and it's, I believe, the, the mid-season finale, so that should be pretty fun to get to. Yeah, this is, a, this is a strong episode, as I recall. I actually, I revisited it just to make myself aware of it again, but yeah, this is the one that, you know, capped off the first half of the season with the, what I had titled in my, I think my email to you guys, The Great Zombie Massacre of November 27, 2011. And what a massacre it was. So before we get to the episode, Jim, what can you tell us about Discount Comic Book Service? Well, Jordan, if you go to DCBService.com and you are in any way interested in The Walking Dead, you are in for quite a treat because the wonderful people at DCBService.com have Walking Dead books, t-shirts, merch, action figures, you name it. They have it, and they're at outrageously discounted prices. Right now, if you've been listening to the podcast regularly, you know we just talked about Walking Dead issue number 100. The comics are already on their 100th issue, but it's pretty easy to catch up. You can grab the uh, the Walking Dead Compendium Volume 1 and soon-to-be Compendium Volume 2. You can uh, read the story in trade paperbacks, hardcover, uh, a lot of different ways to uh, to go about catching up with a comic, and you can do all that at a great price at DCB Service, saving uh, 30, 40, sometimes even 50, 60% off your order. And if you use special code WD8, you get another 8% off your already incredibly discounted order. So DCB Service, uh, check them out. Absolutely. It's a, it's a deal you pretty much cannot beat anywhere. And it's not just for Walking Dead stuff either. If you want to check out other things Robert Kirkman's done or things Robert Kirkman had absolutely nothing to do with, they have lots of great comics, comic-related merch, and all kinds of stuff, and uh, all at great prices. So check that out for sure, dcbservice.com. Gentlemen, are you ready to get to the commentary? Ready, ready, Let's light this ready. candle. Alrighty, listeners at home. If you want to queue up your file for Pretty Much Dead Already, whether it's from iTunes or Amazon, or whether you still have it on the DVR, or if for some reason you're still using a VCR and you have a low-res copy taped that way, you're going to want to queue it up to right after it's fading up from black. You should see the outline of the barn, you should see the sun rising or setting uh, right above the tree line, and if you're on an iTunes file at least, like I am, you should be at exactly 9 seconds. So you want to get there, pause it, and then come back to us. Do, do, do the pausing noise. 
Intermission music goes here. <laughs> yes, little known fact, uh, the Newarth family invented music. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if everybody's ready, we're going to do our standard countdown of three, two, one, start. Hit start right when we hit the S of the word start. Three, two, one, start. All right, so here Pepperidge we go. Pepperidge Farm remembers... Now, I, I just watched this again, and I forgot how hilarious to me that the opening of this episode is, because, okay, so you, you have all the guys, everyone's here, and then you get to Glenn, and he's like, I don't know what to do, and so he looks one way, and he's going to see Maggie, and she's going to be like, no, and then he looks to Dale, and he's like, yes, and he just reveals everything about the barn. That's... He just shouldn't have picked that as the makeout spot, you know? <laughs> yeah, there she is. No way. Yes way. Herschel's eyebrows speak a thousand words. That was Dale. Oh, yeah. Well, they're old guys. I get them confused. Now, uh, hey. now Glenn's not as... Glenn, <laughs> Glenn's not necessarily the focus of the, this episode, but he does, he, like, he does have a significant, you know... Stuff to do this time around because he's dealing with Maggie and you know he's bringing up this and everything and I I like Steve Ewan I I like he's he's good in this show I I continue to like his presence in the series and I mean Glenn is a character I really like in the comic and I'm I continue to be happy with both his presence here and in in the comic iteration as well. I'm sorry, what did you say? The barn is full of what? <laughs> and my wife is full of what? <laughs> Walkers. <laughs> yeah, that's a twist that no one no one saw coming. The barn is full of babies, and Lori is full of a zombie. I continue to keep my eyes peeled for any little girls in this barn right here. Don't see them. And I don't see what seems like a lot of people in that barn compared to what's being shown in the barn. But, whatever, good enough. I, I mean, you've got the loft overhanging. You can't see anything below that. You're getting a distorted uh, perspective. Jump scare! <laughs> I was going to say, that's such a classic trope from horror movies. Come on. <laughs> They're all looking through thinking lunch. Great uh, great prosthetic nose on that zombie yeah. house just eaten away. I was looking back on my notes that I kind of sent in to you guys to read on the show when this one first aired, and um, I called this episode a Shane Boiler. <laughs> because basically the episode revolves around Shane getting progressively more and more upset about everything that's going on, and then he just, you know, unleashes the guns at the end of the episode. And this was cool for for Jim and I and the rest of the guys who've read the read the comics because I mean as as everyone pretty much knows by now Shane wasn't around at this point in the comic so we had he he was definitely the wild card and like you said Aaron this episode became much more about him which totally changed the way um, things played out I mean yes the the end game is pretty much the same but how it gets there is very much different because of his involvement. Exactly, and that's that's where I started to come up with my Back to the Future 2 kind of references where Shane's, as it, he acts as if Biff stole the almanac, and this is the alternate timeline where Shane still exists in this version of The Walking Dead. <laughs> right, so Earth 2 of The Walking Dead, as it were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, 
<laughs> Crazy zoom-in music. <laughs> We're going to use that dolly. <laughs> we got our we got our money's worth. We put it one way, though we pointed it around, turned it around, put it the other way. And of course, the great theme song done by uh, Bear McCreary. I know we've mentioned this on other uh, commentaries, but this is one of my favorite opening sequences for pretty much any show on TV right now. It just is very evocative of what's going on, and just I don't know, very very um, I don't want to say thematic, but more atmospheric, I guess, because it's not really showing zombies or anything. It's just showing what's left. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely, and I like that it, it can work in multiple ways, depending regardless of like what led up to the intro title sequence. I think it, it can work if there was a somber note going on. It can work if there's an intense note going on, just because Bear McCreary's score seems kind of adapt like uh, adaptable. Uh, so it works in multiple ways. Like it, it, uh, it doesn't feel like it comes out of nowhere. It feels jarring. It always feels like an appropriate title sequence. And, and I love just the whole. If you go back and look at it, listeners, sometime later. Um, it's got a very animated photograph feel. Like, yes, it's definitely video. You can see things like the flag moving uh, and waving in the breeze, but it still feels like you're moving through a photograph, less than video, which is such a cool contrast to the rest of the show. For sure. Like <laughs> Shane being just fed up. It's a Shane Boiler. He's just doesn't have his gun. The zombie's right in his backyard. Just well, and fun fact, he wasn't trying to pull up his... He wasn't trying to uh, grab his gun, he was just pulling up his pants. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> oh, you blew it, Glenn. Got egg all over your face, or you will. This is maybe the corniest line and thing. When, Steve, when Glenn's like, why would you waste an egg like that? I think that it was rotten line is a bit more corny than why would you waste it, but... <laughs> him trying to downplay the concern about him and Maggie fighting was like, you wasted an egg! And yeah, you were saying it's a rotten... Yeah, it was rotten. That's... that's it's cliche. <laughs> well, here's an uncharacteristic scene. Carl is actually somewhere with an adult supervising him. But he's not in the house. No, but Lori knows where he is. Jeez, I can't remember the last time I saw a pencil. It's all they have now in the end of the world. <laughs> a few more months will be uh, etching into a stone tablet. Yep. It's amazing how, how much younger he looks already. I mean, we, we've already seen photos from season three, and just uh, the actor in general, he already looks so much older. Yeah, I'm very curious how season three is going to, like, if it's going to do a time jump or something, because... Carl's hitting some puberty levels in the show right now. So. I certainly hope they do at least one or two um, months because uh, it's something that the show needs. I think like months. Um. Oh well, I think one or two time jumps. Even oh, okay. Season. I. I. Yeah. Just it'd be weird, just given that they're going to go to that prison, so they have to discover that prison. So it'd be like if they're already there, it'd be. Yeah, I'm. I bet, yeah, I'm curious to see where how it starts out. So. It just felt like in this season in particular, and I guess it did it in the first season as well, but you didn't really have the same problem because it was only six episodes, where every episode picked up right where the last one left. Exactly. Off. So you, there was forward momentum in the story, but only within a very short time frame. I just hope we get like an 80s movie montage of them fixing up the prison. 
That'd be a great way to do the time <laughs> jump, don't you think? You know, just just like the Muppets movie, or Real yeah, Genius, yeah. or Better Off Dead, or Rocky, or Rocky Three. I'm looking at my notes right now, and I, I had names for the the two couples we have on the show. First is Maggie and Glenn, which is Gaggy. And then I have Daryl and Carol, or the DC Hillbilly Universe. <laughs> now this scene, it, it, there's so much like, it seems like everyone, I don't know, I don't know about the, the Dixon's Vixens, but Daryl and, uh, yeah, and Carol, they're like right on the edge of making out before he just gets you know, angry and storms off. Even at the end of this episode, when they kind of combine again at the Cherokee Rose, you think these guys are gonna hook. These guys are gonna hook up at some point. Good hat throw, Dale. See, it seems to me that the bald guy should be able to keep his hat. You'd think. Dale's got bigger worries right now. Look at his eyes. Those, those are concerned eyes. And he probably has a hat rack in the RV. There's like eight hats on it, you know. Well, Glenn did just ask him if he has any other hats, and he said no. Or if he had an extra hat, I guess. Well, yeah, he doesn't want, you don't want to be sharing your hats around, then you have no hats left. And you can get lice. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's Dale's biggest concern in the zombie apocalypse, really. It's lice. Zombie lice. Zombie lice. Z-Lice. Well, spoilers, he's not worrying about it anymore. So. <laughs> See, this is, this is like, throughout this, throughout like this kind of season, I like Jeffrey DeMunn. I think we all like Jeffrey DeMunn. He's a good actor. But I think we all had concerns about Dale's character, is that fair to say, in terms of where they were taking him? It was definitely a different trajectory than the Dale from the book. Okay. I think. And, yeah, I, for sure. And I had issues with it, just not not just because it's different from the comic, but because I really didn't like how presumptuous Dale was and how paranoid he was about Shane, even though, like, he's certainly in the right about his claims, but I, I was never satisfied with how he was able to come up with certain conclusions. Like he, like how he figured out about Otis? Like that one? Yeah, exactly. He just, he just knows. And all, that always dissatisfied me every time they kind of brought it up. And in this episode, it, you know, almost gets, it pretty much gets brought to a head when you get to what is basically my least favorite scene in the episode. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I really like, I like the character of Dale in general and in the comics, but less so here as we get to kind of the, the downward swing of, se or the second half of season two, as he kind of gets more and more into, I gotta stop Shane and I need to protect Andrea. Like, I just, I, I wasn't always in, I wasn't always into that. He's like, he became like a weird 50-50 mix of the world's best psychic and worst detective. <laughs> yeah. Like, he had all the information inexplicably, but how he used it was just terrible. Yeah, and even in, like, just... And again, Jeffrey DeMond, he's good, but just some of the... I mean, I've, I've had issues with the writing. I've pointed this out in my, the written reviews of the episodes that I've made. And I feel like he's just been given certain part bits of dialogue where they just don't... They don't work. They don't work well enough. And I'm happy that DeMond's here to give a good enough performance to make it... To give it a little extra, but it just... I had, I had issues with 
where Dale's character went in the series. I agree. He kind of becomes, a, in the second half especially of the season, kind of like a little an old lady. He's just very... Uh, he's a nag. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's, he's not contributing. He's just complaining all the time, pointing out the foibles and faults of everyone else. I, I love all the furniture in this house, particularly like the padded chairs like you see behind Rick there and some of the others in that room. The pink china on the dresser or the whatever, the shelf thing. And the the antique phone on the wall. It's just a very authentic feel. I, I've been in a lot of these old farmhouses um, across the country, and it definitely, it just feels right. Yeah. And on the counter to me talking about Dale, I do like Herschel. Like, Herschel, like, even if he is, you know, he certainly has an element to his character where you just don't like him just because he's, you know, he's protecting zombies. But I think um, Scott, Wil- Scott Wilson, Scott Wilson's doing like a, is that right? <laughs> Before yeah, he's I like Scott so. Wilson, he's do. I think he's doing a, a tremendous job of developing the Herschel character, and I I like how he progresses, and I like it. Like in this episode, he's not necessarily racist, but he's kind of casually disapproving by saying like that Asian fellow that Maggie's hanging with, just things like that, where you constantly find new layers to this character. But like, I like where he goes, and I like how he progresses throughout the season. Now, when where he ends up by the end of the season, I I like this this performance a lot. I agree. I, I think it's one of the strongest performances in the cast, and. I actually like this version of Herschel better than the comic book version of Herschel, and that's a rare thing for me to say among all these characters. Usually I prefer the comic book version better, but I really think Scott Wilson brought something different to Herschel that wasn't there in the original Kirkman and Adler. Yeah, I think both iterations are certainly stubborn, but I think for the sake of this TV series, I like the way that it kind of it quickens things in regards to his character, I guess is the simple way to say it. Plus, by the end of the season, he gets a sweet jacket. <laughs> yeah. Which I believe came out of nowhere, as I recall. <laughs> I think I pointed that out. It was in the backseat. It's in the, the backseat. All right. Yeah. I like Rick in this, this episode, too. Like, I, we've, we've, Rick's been kind of wavering <laughs> in terms of the Rick we want versus the Rick we just... <laughs> I'm going to Batman already. The Rick we need right now versus the Rick we deserve. But um, The Dark Grimes. I, I, think, I think he's good at... Yeah, dark. <laughs> the dark Grimes returns. I um, I like I like Rick in this in this episode where he's kind of he's trying to to battle his way into what what he needs of Herschel versus how he gets in the good graces of Herschel. I like him here. Plus, I think Rick sees some of himself in Herschel. He's just you know another guy trying to do the right thing, and he's trying to turn Herschel around to his way of thinking. But at this point, Herschel isn't ready to do that. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, Rick is trying to be respectful and everything, and Shane just doesn't care, so we get, you know, both sides of the coin. For sure. And the difference between his arguments with Shane and his arguments with Herschel, I think, mainly comes down to trust. Like, even though he doesn't know Herschel that well, and even though he disagrees with him like he disagrees with Shane, he, he, he does have a reason to distrust Shane he doesn't really so much have a reason to distrust Herschel. Yeah, he sees exactly where Herschel's coming from, and he understands his logic, so it's just a matter of how do I convince this man who's very set on one way of thinking that I need this? And, yeah, that's a that's an interesting counter from Shane, who's a wild card. So one of the showrunners told me you're going to drop a motorcycle on me in a couple episodes. Yeah, well, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. I, I have to mention once again, and I think I made this pretty clear, that I am a Shane fan. 
not not like I think his character. I think he's right in all his actions. Not that, but I I think John Bernthal's just really fantastic in his performance out of Shane. Oh, I have to agree. Wash twenty twelve. I definitely agree, especially if you watch the whole season in one sitting, uh, the progression of his character, you know, into this kind of aggressive madness, you know, he just ends up uh, like a caged animal almost by the end of it. And then the final, you know, the final resolution is just, it's just stunning. It's just really good acting. You're right, absolutely right on that, Aaron. It is. He's a, I mean, it's a, it's the most like flavorful performance and performance in terms of like, you're getting this character who's going through development and he has a lot to do and he has also, a myriad of emotions he's going through between the relationship he has between him and Lori, him and Rick, him and Carl, him and the rest of the group, him and Herschel. Like, it's just, there's so much good, there, he's, he's a, he's a central, that's why he's top, one of the top build in the cast. He's a central figure in this series. And I, I, I look forward to the third season, but I, they need to, you know, bring in some, they need to make these other characters a lot more interesting because without Shane, there's there's going to be a bit of a hole. But I mean, certainly having Michonne and the mayor coming in, that's that's gonna those holes are going to be filled in some way or another. But Shane's a it's a towering performance. It'll be interesting to see what he does with uh, Darabont with that new TNT series. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see just more of John Bernthal and other things now, just because I'm like, oh, he was Shane in Walking Dead. I like that role. What else can he do? He was in about three minutes of date night, if I remember correctly. <laughs> three pivotal minutes. <laughs> this is where Herschel says that Asian fella at some point where he's like Little family photos in the background too. I don't think I necessarily didn't notice them before, but just a nice detail. On the ref- well, they, they do get called out at the one point. Um, I guess it was an episode or two after this, where uh, she 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 and Glenn are looking at him, and he's like, "Oh," because they're talking about the zombies, and she just calls you know this one Jimmy and this one or whatever their names were. This one's mom, and I'm pretty sure that scene happens in front of the fridge. I wonder how hot it was to film in the barn, or the, not the barn, the house. Given that we knew the temperatures were quite high while they were filming this season. Or not as hot as, was it hotter than the, I don't even recall if it was hotter than the, I know the first season they were really complaining about how hot it was filming in Atlanta. Well, and I don't know how much of this is sets. Yeah, that's true as well. Which, granted, sets gets very gets very hot as well, because you can't have air conditioners running because it'll distort the sound, but... That'll be a fun thing to see on the Season 2 Blu-ray, I guess, if just if they had actual sets, like, in another place completely, and you find out that, you know, they had an exterior house, and then suddenly they're, you know, in L.A. or something, and they're filming these indoor house scenes. There was. He said it was just about you and that Asian boy. <laughs> so what happened to the beagle that the young girl is holding in the picture? Because that's, I think, the real story of The Walking Dead. It found its Red Baron and took off. <laughs> I, I do wonder though, speaking of sets, you know, I already said how much this house feels authentic. I said you like you look behind Herschel, not in this shot, but in the other, I realized um 
they've got the uh, the electrical outlets that have like the the reset button on them, the more squarish ones. Mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling this has to be at least that scene shot inside the real house because that's just that's a detail I don't think I've ever seen in a movie where they would put something like that, and that's something that you find in a real house. Uh, by a water source. Yeah, if I had to guess, I wouldn't say that this is a set. I feel like they probably found this. Ha- I don't think they built it, but I think they probably found this location and just utilized it to death. <laughs> Literally, since they burned the damn thing down at the end of the season. <laughs> so maybe they did build it. I don't know. <laughs> Which should be a, a huge contrast for season three because uh, we, we already know that they're building massive sets for um, Woodbury and the prison. Shooting, so. Yeah. Yeah, so it's. It, it should, A, help the look of the show. I mean, I think the show looks great, but when you can control something inside of a set, it, it always, um, you, you just have more control and you have a lot more options for stuff. Plus, it's cheaper, which means the money can go into other things like CGI, zombie makeup. I was When I was watching this the other uh, yesterday, just to kind of refresh myself on this episode, I found this to be a good Laurie scene. And because I don't get so many of those, I was happy to acknowledge that. <laughs> I should say that I've come down on Lori <laughs> before and in the writing of these re- episode reviews and whatnot. And I like Sarah Wynn Callies. I, li- I think she's a good actress and I think she's doing what she can with the part that she's given. It's just she's not, her character is not given the best situations to be a part of. And <laughs> I hope that. And to be fair, that was the same exact thing in the comic. I was just going to yeah, say, I was that. not a fan of Lori in the comic either. For sure. So I, I certainly have nothing against the actress or the acting and the on her part. She's given what she's she she has what she's given to do and I think she's doing well with what she's given. It's just I hope season three also steps up things involving her character. <laughs> Especially since I believe yeah, now that I'm recalling the end of season two, I wasn't exactly happy with the actions her character took in terms of being ashamed or frightened or what have you. And it's definitely interesting. AMC has had a history, to an extent, of the shrewish wife character, if you will, um, in Mad Men with Betty Draper, in um, Breaking Bad with Skyler. Bad, well, yeah, with Skyler White. But it, it's interesting, whereas in Mad Men, and not, I'll stay away from spoilers of these other shows for people who haven't seen them, although you should definitely watch Mad Men and certainly Breaking Bad, which is, in my opinion, the best show on television. I'll say it again many times. Agreed. Um, in Mad Men the wife character became more and more shrill over time um, to the point where now she's... I mean, she has a good scene every now and again, but for the most part, it's just like, please, can we go to anything else? Whereas um, in in Breaking Bad, like, the turn they took with Skylar over the last season, the course of the last season and this one, I really, really like. She went from a character that was annoying to one of my favorite characters in the show to see her journey and how she's evolving as a character. And maybe that's something that's the problem with Lori is she hasn't had much evolution yet. She's been pretty much the same from the beginning. Conflicted, but it's pretty much been the same conflict the whole time. Which is something I can hope for in this upcoming season where it's a fresh start with Glenn Mazzara as showrunner and, you know, whatever they have as the writing staff as opposed to having Darabont and Mazzara or, you know, whatever you know, mixing ideas or what they want the show to be this season, you'll have a complete straight run through of what the show is supposed to be. Assuming that everything's going completely swell right now on the set. Right. And and, I mean, from a narrative point of view, you also have a problem when it comes to writing the character, when 
she is she's a reactive character. She's reacting to Shane, she's reacting to Rick, and she's being pulled in two different directions, but she's not doing any of the pulling herself for the most part until we get to like the Macbeth scene later on in, in the in the season. So at, when you're a reactive character, A, it makes your character progression harder, it makes all that kind of stuff harder, but it, g- it gives you less of a personality your, yourself, if you will. And now that she's going to lose one of those anchors pulling her in one direction with Shane, yes, she's still going to have problems with Rick, as we've already seen at the end of Season 2, but it'll now be, if there's any problems between her and Rick, it'll be between her and Rick, not between Shane and Rick, with her just happening to be caught in the middle. For sure. I, yeah, I get what you're saying right there. That makes me very hopeful, again, for what her character has to do. And, you know, there will be very, there will be some various plot lines going on in this next season. <laughs> so, I, right, right. If yeah. it follows the, uh, the the plot of the comic at all, which even if, yeah, it looks it, to be so far. Yeah, and even if it doesn't necessarily, I mean, stick true, which I don't expect it to, just because it hasn't already. There's plenty of things you can do when you have characters stuck in a prison and zombies on the outside. <laughs> Okay, now, here we go. This is leading to my least favorite scene of the episode, even though I really like the performances for both actors involved, and just Shane in general. He's freaking out. The weapons are gone. And, and I loved how they switched to a handheld camera when they're inside the uh, inside the RV, which, granted, it's partially because it's just practical to uh, get a smaller camera in there inside such an enclosed space. But it really gives you, when you have those handheld shots with Shane, especially as he's just, you know, doing his descent into madness routine, it really gives you that sense of uncertainty of a loose cannon um, and, and everything else you need to really fully get what his character's going through. Yeah, for sure. And that's played up again in a few other episodes, I recall, as well, like especially towards the the last episode, the one where he kills the their captive Uh Right, that one. There's there's some there's some fun camera work involving how do we show Shane going insane in the membrane, which is an interesting contrast to say the scene where he shaves his head. Where if I remember correctly, it was a very steady cam and it was you know one or two continuous shots. I don't remember any anything shaky. They just let you focus on him. Yet you still got that same feeling of this guy is out of his mind. Yeah, I agree with it. Is this the same mud bog where uh, um, uh, Carl was playing with the zombie later in the season? You know what I'm talking about? It's hard to tell Maybe not because the same sections, but probably the same bog overall. Yeah, because I think the swamp. That's part of the reason why the zombies haven't the wa- sorry walkers. The walkers haven't you know came come in farther because there's bog like almost all the way around the perimeter, I believe. And definitely, when he comes across that zombie, the one that kills uh, Dale later in the season, I think they'd already mentioned at that point that the bog was drying up. And as we can see, yeah, in that one it's mostly mud. Here it's it's kind of a lake with mud at the bottom. Or I guess a pond would be more accurate. And you, you mentioned the Shane episode where he shaves his head. That saved the last one. That was that's maybe my favorite episode of of season two. I really like that episode a lot, where he kills Otis. Basically, <laughs> probably my favorite episode of the first half of the season. I, I liked the second half. That for sure, I'll agree with you. Especially like eighteen miles out. Um, that that was just such a fun, <laughs> right down the throne motorcycle, such a fun episode in a terrible way. See, 18 Miles Out, that's one that I love to talk on, too, because I, I had problems with that episode, even though I really, I, I like half of it. <laughs> well, and, and I will agree, I liked one half more than the other, but I didn't have nearly as much of a problem with the, um, the, the housebound part of the episode as pretty much everybody else seemed to. 
Plus, that was, I think, we mentioned it when we talked about the episode when it came out. That was one of the few episodes that did have a time jump uh, that they've used so far. I think it, it did, was, yeah. It was like a week or so that it, it passed since the last episode. It was something, it was It was The Walking Dead trying something different, which I liked. I liked that it was an ambitious episode in terms of what it tried to do story-wise and how it minimalized the characters to just a few so you didn't have all of this going on and, you know, have the same issues. That said, I did have issues, <laughs> but that's another, that's another time, I guess. Right. Here we have an example of bad idea. That's... <laughs> Although, to be honest, I mean, while I don't agree with Herschel's overall philosophy of dealing with the zombies, I, I think using the capture poles could be a very good idea if you had competent people doing it. Yeah, I guess. It's just, this is a... I'm not coming near this. Like, there's, I'm getting zombies unstuck out of the mud. There's, they're falling over. I'm, I could be slipping in the slippery mud, right? Like he just did. I'm not like risking myself to pull some zombies out the mud. This is, I yeah, I'm happy the capture rods are in use. That's nice. It's a you know a lengthy pole, so you give yourself some distance. I like this camera shot right here. Push in. That guy's zombie looks like Artie Lang. <laughs> well, I mean, Michonne keeps a couple on a leash to sniff out live people. You know, so I mean, it's possible. You know, to use them as a tool. Yeah, oh, it's Although at least they have the, the rigid pole that keeps them at a distance. She's using chains. Right. Well, but, now, granted, again, she's much more competent than any of them are. But, but she, yeah, Michonne's a whole different thing. Like we, we that will be talked about because Michonne is a character I find fascinating. So. Oh yeah, it's a great character. In fact, I think since season one, episode one, we've been waiting for her to show up. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. Although I wasn't jumping out of my pants saying, when's Michonne going to be here? Because logically she has to enter at a certain point. But Yeah, in season three we changed the, the name of the podcast to The Walking Dead Podcast featuring Michonne and friends. Yeah. And the rival podcast will be called The Mayor Experience featuring Woodbury. <laughs> the Mayor? The Guffs. Oh, damn it. I messed, <laughs> messed that joke up, guys. <laughs> The Governor Experience featuring Woodbury. <laughs> hey, he campaigned hard for that job. You give him the respect he's due, yeah. which is not a lot. This is a good scene with Gaggy. <laughs> I, I like this interaction. Yeah, Glenn is starting to turn Maggie around to his way of thinking, and Maggie is starting not to be as mad at him for telling the group, so. I mean, I, I, I she's a little fickle, but I still like this scene. I like the owl. I mean, seriously, how long could you be actually angry with Glenn? Just look at that. Look place. at that punum. <laughs> oh, the Goyesha punum. Uh, yeah, I, I like the actress that plays Maggie, too. I think these two work well together. Um, they're, yeah, both, they're, they're both characters chemistry. I enjoy from the, the comic, and I'm glad to see them, you know, well-represented here. And you're right, Aaron, they do have good chemistry together. Absolutely. I mean, really, my only problem with anything... Lauren Cohan's had to do outside of maybe some of the writing here or there is like one or two spots where I heard the accent creeping through. But aside from that, I totally buy the character. Yeah. Okay. Now here, especially in relation to Glenn. Now here we go. This is the Dale's gonna hide guns in the woods scene, which I just don't like. I don't under even. No, I just don't understand. Like, what was he attempting to prove here? We don't like. I get. Yeah, Shane's a threat. We need to block him. But this is so. This is just stupid. Like, as if like Shane's not going to put two and two together and be able to find these guns, or as if like they're not going to like they need guns. Like, I'm sorry, you need. You know, there's zombies running around. Like, this doesn't help anyone. There's 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 like there's just no thought put into this plan. I don't think in the long term, it just makes for like a scene where they can. It just it feels so like 
you need a scene for them to interact alone and be threatening, and it doesn't feel organic to the story. It doesn't feel like a real-life decision that somebody would actually make. World's worst detective. <laughs> now, I mean, it's well-acted, as well as it can be. I mean, because I mean, these, two, these two are very good actors, and they have these characters they're playing, and I get the tension that's supposed to be inherent, because... Uh oh, we have Shane and Dale facing off in the woods alone together, so somebody may not make it out of here if given the chance, but the logic to get to the scene doesn't make sense to me. I agree with that, but I do like the kind of like the way it pays off because not only is Shane threatening Dale, he's also, uh, you know, tacitly admitting that he killed Otis to Dale. And that adds a little more impetus later when Dale makes the accusation to the rest of the group. But I agree that it makes no sense for him to hide the guns out in the woods at all. It might be just because I've been watching a lot of Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy lately, but uh, this scene reminds me of the scene in The Dark Knight where... Uh, the interrogation. Do you believe your boss, the billionaire playboy, is a master... You know, I'm paraphrasing. is a master avenger who beats up criminals at night, and your plan is to blackmail him? Good, good, good luck with that. <laughs> Yeah, the extra kind of the fact that Dale is a, or Dale that Shane is a wild card that you don't that he's existing beyond his expiration date in the comic books it it gives like a, it gives a certain level of tension involving when he's going to go like I personally thought later on in this episode that he was going to die as this was like the season closer for or the the halfway point season closer and there's a point where he's kind of in front of the barn and yelling a storm and I'm like well this would be a good time for zombies to break out and kill him like that'd be shocking and you know exciting and you wouldn't necessarily see that coming, but I scenes like that where like Dale threatens Shane or a scene coming up, like I like the way they play out because you don't you don't know when Shane's gonna die. I like, assuming that he is gonna die, which <clears throat> I think was a safe bet at some point that was gonna happen. I, I like that 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 fact. I really appreciate the fact that um you know, once Glenn Mazar kinda of took over as showrunner, the things started actually happening. In episodes, and I think this is more indicative of that because we're getting into the second half of the second season, and things don't seem to have that kind of glacial Frank Darabont, very filmic pace. It seems to be more paced like a television show. Yeah, and like to be fair, like yeah, I, I agree that the show is very, it's there's there's, there's a slow pacing and plot momentum going on in this season of The Walking Dead, which I understand, but I don't think it's because they remained at the barn. I think there's just there's interesting things you can do that don't necessarily need you to leave the barn so i just or the farm i just so i just wish that they capitalized off more opportunities than just you know remain at one pace and have the sophia thing play out so yeah i was very happy that the sophia plotline ends here and uh, you know they just move on into the second half of the season which i believe the majority of people kind of really enjoy and you know find to be much faster paced in terms of plot progression There's T-Dog's line. <laughs> I blinked, so I kind of missed it, but if everybody at home heard it, then that's good enough for me. Here's that dolly shot again. We got the dolly. We're going to use it, damn it. <laughs> that house has a lot of chimneys. You could never have Which too many chimneys. Indicative of times. Well, I mean, it's indicative of houses from the time when you were using an actual you know, fire to heat your house. 
And in the South, we we have two Santa Clauses, so we need two chips. I like the shaky cam on this. You know, it kind of reflects the chaos of the situation. You know, we get the you know the, the zombie mm-hmm. close up in your face. We get the camera tracking shaking, pan, camera shaky over to the group, camera tracking all the different characters, and you know, just the the camera movement really adds to the chaos of the of the confrontation here. And I, I can I really appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. This episode was done by uh, Michelle McLaren, who has done a number of Walking Dead episodes and also a lot of Breaking Bad episodes as well. She did the fantastic episode One Minute, which is, oh dear God, I could watch that episode every day of the week and not get bored of it. It's so amazing. Yeah, and I yeah I think her, uh, the work in this episode, I think is, is pretty strong. And uh, I think that's also reflected in the second half of the season. I mean, these episodes are, they're directed well for the most part. Like, I have nothing wrong with the, the technical aspects of this show, I think, are always on par give or take a few hiccups here and there. I agree, agree with that, definitely. And this is, that was a great scene, too, where Shane ups and, up and shoots those zombies at the chest and just keeps them walking. The way it's just, he's just shattering Herschel's world right now. I love that. I love how this ending plays out. And we get that nice little slow-mo, too, as he finally takes the headshot. There was just kind of, just a very little touch of slow-mo, kind of a, almost Zack Snydery. And I love just Rick being kind of helpless here because he has to hold on to this walker. It's He's trying to calm down his friend. He's trying to calm down the situation. He's trying to stop things, but it's just it's too late. Shane's, he's boiled up. He's overflowing the pot now. It's just, it's coming to a head. He's going to just take out these zombies. He's had enough of this. I think Shane missed the class on how to use a pickaxe. <laughs> he's a little heightened. And yeah, right there before, like he opens the gate when he was just kind of standing in front of him talking. I thought there was, I thought there might have been a good chance that the zombies would break out due to the all the noise going on outside. Just finally break through these walls and just take out Shane, which would have been unfortunate for me because I really like John Bernthal's performance. But a really neat way to close out this half of the season. But of course, we we get to something much more devastating way to end the season. Now we get to play House of the Dead, but for real. Something I also noticed, the accuracy in this scene is way worse than the finale where everyone's getting constant headshots. Well, they had time to practice. I guess so, because here, like, like in, in Nebraska, one episode later, Glenn is like a surgeon with that shotgun. He's blasting folks from, like, 50 yards away, headshots with a shotgun. Here he misses. He's, like, 25 feet away. He misses a shot. He hits somebody in the shoulder first, then the head. So it's, <laughs> it doesn't bother me that much that they're all precision accuracy shooters, but I, I, <laughs> I question some of the logic of, like, how great these guys are with guns that extend beyond, you know, Shane, Rick, and Daryl. Great flame effect there. Yeah, some cool stuff with the slow-mo. Great, uh, great set director, set design there, too, with that chain, which just provides a natural, uh, choke point for the zombies to come through. AMC gets credit for, for, uh, just, like, allow, like, walking dead, like, AMC is just, good job for them for letting them, like, be able to shoot scenes like this where you can just have a bunch of people, you know, murdered and riddled with bullets and showing that in graphic detail. And we saved the best zombie for last.
This is one of the few things I had spoiled for me on the show by reading the interwebs. Um, they showed the picture of Sophia as a zombie. Uh, see, I go on internet blackout when these shows come on. I'm just like... <laughs> and because you guys, I mean, you guys are on the... I have to wait when I watch the show just because I kind of wait for my friends to all gather before we watch it together. So, like, I'm, like, avoiding Twitter, doing everything I can to reserve surprises for the show when the new episodes come out. Unfortunately, it's an occupation, occupational hazard for us, but we know what we're getting into, so... Oh, I'm, you know, I'm certainly that way as well. Man, Jillian Anderson really let herself go. <laughs> yeah, it was weird when she made that decision to have a mini-me made of her, but I like it overall. It's, it's, you know, it's creepy and it's kooky. Good zombie walk. I'll give credit where credit's due. Good, good zombie performance by a young actress. Oh, and you didn't happen to know that one of the zombies in there was the little girl we've been looking for for three weeks. Otis, you've got some splaining to do. Good on you, Rick, for stepping up and taking this one out. Yeah, this is really like a, a character pivot, uh, you know, milestone, I think, for Rick in this version of him. You know, uh, being, being the one to take out Sophia. This is, of course, calling back to the first scene of the pilot in many ways. Oh, yeah. I for, You know, I forgot how this ended when I before I watched it again. I, for, I thought it just, like, it, it, um, it held on the close-up of the gun barrel and shot and then, you know, credits. But it doesn't. We actually see Rick take out this girl. And then, you know, we get a reaction shot from everybody else. And then, you, right here, yeah, we just kind of giant crane pan out from the episode and just watch, see the kind of the death that was just dealt by everybody and the place that they're in right now and where the world has taken them. And it's very strong. It's very powerful stuff. I believe, does the next episode start with a pullout from it this It starts gun? right where this I one think, ends, pretty much. I think it is from the gun, if I'm not mistaken. That's, that's probably where you're thinking of it then, too, because that's where I thought it was as well. Well, that is uh, pretty much dead already, everybody. Yeah, it's a good episode. I uh, gave this 4.5 busters out of 5 at the time, and I, I'd probably stick with that. Thing. Like I said, out of the first half of the season, it's definitely one of my favorites. Because of the forward momentum. I agree, Jordan. This is really where it started. I feel like the second half, the second half of the second season is really where it started to kick into high. and uh, started to, you know, get, uh, kind of gain some traction, and things actually started happening, you know, in, in a lot of ways. And I think it's also like the the very beginnings of the Rictocracy, um, you know, with Rick. Kind the Rictatorship. Right, exactly, the Rictatorship with him uh, kind of turning a corner here by being the one to step up to shoot Sophia. Well, if that just about ends our episode, I would like to thank Aaron uh, New Earth for joining us. Aaron, can you tell the fine folks on the interwebs where we can find your work? Oh, for sure. I am on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, the podcast I host with my friend Abe. We talk about the newest movie releases on a weekly basis, and we're part of the HHW LOD network, of course. And uh, we just did uh, two episodes on The Dark Knight, one spoiler-free, one spoiler-filled. So we have literally about four hours worth of Dark Knight discussion, which is a lot of fun to be a part of and have, you know, some uh, the guests that I have regularly on our show be on. And um, I also, uh, just to point this out, I did a Comic-Con episode 
as well. I did a bonus Pon- Comic-Con episode for our podcast. And so I, me and uh, my other friend, Alan, who was also at Comic-Con, we kind of go over all of the big movie panels and stuff that happened at Comic-Con. And it's a really, it's a really cool recap of things that went down there. And that was, that was, that was a good recording session as well. And uh, you can also follow me. Uh, you can also follow me at Twitter on Aaron's PS3. I really enjoyed that uh, San Diego Comic-Con uh, episode. It really, because uh, you, it seems like you uh, covered all the things I would have wanted to go to pretty much at San Diego Comic-Con. So it was a real treat for me, considering I didn't get to go. Uh, Jordan, would you like to uh, take us into the barn? Sounds good. Until next time, everybody, you can send us a voicemail at 516-468-7912 or send us an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Don't forget to check out hhwlod.com for all of our great shows like Half Hour Wasted, The Legion of Dudes Comic Book Podcast, The PKD Black Box, and of course, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, which features, of course, Abe and Aaron as well, <laughs> you know, both of them. <laughs> and all those shows can be found on Facebook as well. And don't forget to check out forumforgeeks.com, that's our forum, and follow us on Twitter, at WDTV Podcast, and at hhwlod underscore network. Aaron is at Aaron's PS3. I'm at Jordan FRM Jersey, and Jim is at Yoda Jones. So until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, don't waste eggs. Just, just don't. Have a good week, everybody. Bye, bye. bye.